God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that it is living and active. And that even now, Lord, we pray that you would use this word to prick our hearts, Father, to convict us of our sin, to encourage us to trust Christ, Lord, uh, knowing, Father, that uh, he humbled himself to death, even death on the cross, Lord. Help us, Father, to pray his prayer, not our will be done, but yours. Oh, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would use this time uh, for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, I wrestled with this text a little while and uh, how to best preach it, because I just have 20 minutes to do 20 verses, and it's hard to do justice to this text, especially when uh, one man, one, one preacher says about this text, here we come to the holy of holies of our Lord's life on earth. This is a mystery like that which Moses saw when the bush burned with fire and was not consumed. No man can rightly expound such a passage as this. That's tough. It is a subject for prayerful, heartbroken meditation, more than for human language. And so that's where I want to do today with this text. I, I don't want to simply uh, preach. I want us. I wanted to preach so that we would Medita- have prayerful, heartbroken meditation over this text. So there are four things I think we, that Matthew here wants us to meditate on. Four things. So the first one is God's wrath. The second thing is God's sovereignty. The third thing is man's sinfulness. And the fourth, Christ's humility. I'm going to say this again. Those are four points for this. God's wrath, God's sovereignty, man's sinfulness, and Christ's humility. So the first point, God's wrath. Why the cross was not just any cross. Wrath means extreme anger, indignation, rage, fury, and usually because of an offense or a crime. We see the wrath of God in the voice and posture of Jesus in this text. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Christ is compelled to go to prayer. He needs time with the Father. And what does he first pray for? That the cup would pass from him, if possible. The cup being filled with God's wrath. Psalm 11.6 says, Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Ezekiel 23, 32 and 34. You shall drink your sister's cup. This is deep and large. You shall be laughed at and held in derision, for it contains much. You'll be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, a cup of horror and desolation. The cup of your sister Samaria. You shall drink it and drain it out and gnaw its shards and tear your breast. Isaiah 51, 22 simply says, the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath. And of course, there should be righteous anger on God's part. He is angry because we, all of us, are going against the way he created things. He made us with a purpose. He sees us replacing the gas in our, li- in our life tank with sugar water. We have replaced the Creator as our God in our life with His creation. 
Jeremiah 2, 12, 12 and 13. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This makes sense as to why he says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. The God-man is troubled. He even says himself, my soul is very sorrowful. It is not only that Jesus says and prays that he shows us God's wrath and uh, the, the, the terror that it brings, but more so how he acts when he prays. First of all, Jesus needs good company. He is troubled and possibly scared, and he needs close friends to be near him. So he asks the disciples to come with him to the garden. Even Peter, James, and John to come a little bit farther. He wants company. Secondly, he prays prostrate on the ground. He does not kneel down. He says that he falls on his face. This man is in anguish. And third, Jesus prays three times. It's not enough for Jesus to go to the Father once. But three times Christ must come to the Father. The weight of the wrath of God is beginning to settle on him. Three times, and feeling the troubled, hearing him say it three times over and over again, this troubled, sorrowful soul, it, it comes, brings us to mind uh, the Psalms. Psalm 42 and 43, where the Psalms, three times, what does he say? Why are you cast down, O my soul? We can hear the anguish that Christ is going through at this point in the garden, preparing for the cross. This then should be of no surprise that in Luke, he tells us what? And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. I once heard someone teaching this passage. They made the remark that they only found one other instance where someone sweat drops of blood. There was a family who had a pool, and while no one was looking, their child fell into the pool. The child was small and did not know how to swim, so it sunk to the bottom of the pool. After a while, the family realized their child was on the bottom of the pool. The father dove in and took the child out, and they immediately drove to the ER. They saved the child. However, the child's face was completely blue. It had drops of blood coming out of his pores. The doctor said most likely the child was screaming so hard that he, he busted the blood vessels in his face. Beloved, Jesus was not a coward to be on his face, crying out, sweating drops of blood. It was not like other men being put to death. He was not afraid of dying. It was he knew he was taking the wrath of God on himself in place of everyone who would repent and believe in Christ. As I mentioned, Christ was in agony because he knew what was about to happen. This is what is happening when the prayer of Christ begins. The eternal son is asking the eternal father about the plan from all eternity. This is our second point, God's sovereignty. The eternal son is asking the eternal father about the plan from all eternity. My father, if it be possible, my father, if this cannot pass, is the words that Christ says. Christ even shows his disciples. 
He tells them what is about to happen in verse 45. What does he say? See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. However, it is not new in the book of Matthew. Starting with the beginning, Matthew 1, uh, verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. Matthew 17, 22. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. Beloved, this is why it makes sense in John 10, 18. Speaking of his own life, he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and praise God, he has the authority to take it up again. As one commentator noted, this is the centerpiece of all human history. And the detriment of our eternity, determinant of our eternity, here in this critical moment, our God is in complete control. This is the great dramatic irony when they actually come to arrest him. They have hired a disciple to betray him. They wait till the middle of the night. They bring a small band of men, armed men. Peter attempts to save Peter. Uh, P- Peter attempts to save Jesus with a sword, and it's actually quite humorous. They could have possibly sent a small errand boy with a letter that says, "Be at the trial in 15 minutes," because Christ was going to be there. This was the plan of God from all eternity. I think the point of God's sovereignty is summed up well in the verse in verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send me 12 legions of angels? You can hear Jesus asking Peter, Who do you think I am? I have enough angels for myself and the 11 of you. We're all covered. We all have our small army of angels that I could call at once. But no, twice, what does He say? The scriptures must be fulfilled. The plan of God is being unfolded. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Our third point, man's sinfulness. Here is the most innocent man of God on the night he is betrayed. And what does he see? The disciples could not stay awake for him. His friends on the eve of the climax of all human history could not stay awake. It's evident that Christ's point is true. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. While Christ is showing victory of the spirit over the flesh, the disciples are showing the exact opposite. The second thing, what does he see? One of his own disciples, Christ calls him friend, betrays him. And how does he betray him? With a kiss on the cheek. The third thing Christ sees, the sinfulness of man the Jewish authorities come at night to arrest him with, with weapons, as if he was some thief. And fourth, what does he see? At the very end, he is abandoned by those close to him. It says there, at the very end, all the disciples left him and fled. Doesn't that just hit you right in the gut? To be arrested by enemies is tough enough, but betrayed and abandoned by friends. It's too much for words. But, the, but this we know. If we're going to relate to anyone in this story, it's the disciples. 
Behold the man upon a cross, my guilt upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. We are them, beloved. But thank God for point four, Christ's humility. Perhaps we see this point most clear in how Christ continues to pray. Facing down the torment of wrath, Jesus prays, not as I will, but as you will. Then again, he says, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And a third time, saying the same words again, Matthew says. What do the words of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 say? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It is in Christ's humility he makes a way for us sinners. We too must humble ourselves like Christ, repent of our sin, our treason, our betrayal of God with our lives. We have not lived a life with an aim and purpose to glorify him. We have not loved him as we should, but we must bow our knee, repent of our sin, and trust in Christ and the work he did on the cross and rising from the grave. Oh, the humility of our God. Our God is holy, powerful, a sovereign God. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But beloved, the lion is a lamb. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the lion and the lamb. We thank you, Father, for the humility of Christ. And we thank you, Father, that this was not just some plot of men, but this was the plan of God to rescue sinners. Help us, Father, to repent of our sin and trust Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.